Great to see you, Journey. Glad that you're here with us. If you've been tracking with us during this series, we are in week four of a series that we're calling King of Hearts, where we're looking at the life of David. And if you've been here, you know that we've been kind of unpacking this theme to expect the unexpected. And today we're going to be talking a little bit about an unexpected friend. Friends, in our world, we're suffering from an epidemic of emptiness. It doesn't matter if you're five years old or 85 years old. If you get online and look at the statistics, the numbers of people that are saying, in life right now, I just feel lonely, I feel isolated. The numbers are staggering. And we know what that can be like. We can be surrounded by people, but feel completely alone. And I know in this room right now, that describes some of us. We're here, there's people all around us, but I feel like nobody knows me. Nobody really knows what's going on in my life. I've got a thousand friends on Facebook, but I lay awake at night asking myself, do I have any real friends? There's a lot of people that know my name, but I just don't feel like there's a lot of people that really know me, that really get me. Would people even miss me if I was gone? Well, I brought a friend today to talk a little bit about this with me. You guys know who that is? Yeah, of course you know who that is. That's Elmo. Everybody loves Elmo, right Elmo? You may know Elmo, but you might not know Elmo. You might know that Elmo likes to interrupt me. Now you set you over here. I got a job to do, Elmo. You may know Elmo's name, but you might not know Elmo's backstory. You see, Elmo was the creation of a man named Kevin Cash. And Kevin Cash, when he was a young boy, what he loved to do is he loved to play with puppets. And you know what can happen when you're a young boy that loves to play with puppets? You get teased, you get made fun of, you get rejected, you get isolated. So in the mind of Kevin Cash, when he made Elmo, he said, this is gonna be the characteristic of Elmo. He is someone that is gonna love everybody because Kevin Cash knew what was going on in his heart. He knew what he needed. He needed to feel loved. And I think that Kevin Cash's hunch was right. You may have remembered way back in the 90s when this Elmo doll went for sale, 400,000 of these Elmo dolls were sold out in two hours. These things were selling, this $28 toy was selling on eBay for $1,500. You could say that Kevin Cash cashed in because this guy knew something. He knew that one of the greatest needs that any of us have is to be fully known and to be fully loved. That is true of the friendship that we're going to look at today as we look at this friendship between David and Jonathan. But to unpack this, I feel like we've got to try to dispel some lies sometimes that we believe about friendship. Lies like, I don't need people. Lies like, I can't be real with people. And lies like, 
I don't know if a true friend really exists. Just don't know if they're out there. The last time I was up here talking with you, we were telling the story of David and Goliath. David has this massive victory over Goliath and the nation of Israel erupts. He becomes an instant hero. Amazing response from the people. In fact, the cheerleaders of Israel, it says that the women sang in the streets, David, David, he's our man. If he can't do it, no one can. Especially King Saul. Well, that wasn't exactly what they said. But the text does say that they sang in the streets. Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands. Imagine what that did to King Saul. He was probably just so grateful to have this new war hero that everybody is looking up to. Not so much. Saul was angry. This little shepherd boy of Jesse's is making me look bad. And then the text says, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. And if you were here last week, Derry did a great job of unpacking over this whole season, this whole next season of David's life, he's on the run from Saul. Six times Saul tries to kill David. Six times. You could look at the life of David and say this was the most turbulent time in his life, full of adversity. What does God do for David during this incredible time of adversity in his life? I mean, he's God. He can do anything that he wants. And David's his guy. He's anointed by God. The spirit of God is empowering him. God loves David. What does he do? I mean, he could have wiped out all of this adversity. He could have made everything easy for David, but he didn't. He didn't give David that. And I bet David, with everything in him, wanted God to do that. He was probably saying, God, you've anointed me. You've set me here to lead. And now I'm on the run. God doesn't wipe out his adversity, but what does he give him? He gives him an unexpected friend. A friend named Jonathan. And his friendship David and Jonathan's friendship is the thread that runs through this most difficult season of David's life. God gives him a Jonathan, a friend. But what made Jonathan such an unexpected friend? Who was Jonathan anyway? One of the things that made Jonathan an unexpected friend is that he is the oldest son of King Saul. The oldest son of, yeah, the Saul, crazy Saul, adversary Saul, trying to kill David Saul. Yes, that's Saul. He is Saul's oldest son. And you know what else made it so unexpected that he would be David's friend? Is that because he was Saul's son, he was set to inherit the throne. Anything happens to Saul. In that culture, in that time, the oldest son steps up and he becomes king. It would be his for the taking, no one would even question it. That's just how it worked. And you've got to understand this about Jonathan too. It's not like he's some pretty boy prince that's just getting pampered in the palace. This guy is a warrior. He is a noble warrior. I mean, he was out killing Philistines before anybody had ever heard of David. While David's out watching sheep, he was becoming a military 
hero. In 1 Samuel 14, I love this story of Jonathan. And there's parallels. You can just see parallels between the story of Jonathan and the story of David and Goliath. Because Jonathan, the nation of Israel is in a standoff with the Philistines. And Jonathan just gets to the place where he's had enough. What is the deal with these uncircumcised fellows? And he turns to his young armor bearer, this young man, and he says, let's go bust some heads. Let's go do it. And here's what he was thinking. This is what he said to his armor bearer. He said, God can deliver us because he can deliver with a whole army or he can deliver with the two of us. Let's go do it. This was a man that was full of faith. And so you know what him and his armor bearer did? They went for it. They went to go bust some heads. And you know what they did? They busted some heads. It was amazing. They start mowing down Philistines. And after the Philistines start to see what is happening, God sends a panic and confusion among their armies. And all of a sudden, the Philistines start fighting each other. And the Israelites rout the Philistines. Do you see the parallels between Jonathan and David? Jonathan, just like David, he was a man of faith. He was a warrior. He trusted God. And he took courageous risks because he believed in his God. Get this, Jonathan had everything that David had. And he had the right to the throne. The right to the throne. Everyone expected that Jonathan was going to be the next king. If there was anyone on the planet that had a reason to despise David, it was Jonathan. But he didn't. What did he do? It says he loved him. That's all he did. It just says he loved him. Immediately following that story of David killing Goliath, this is the most unexpected response from Jonathan that I think anyone could have imagined. 1 Samuel 18, verses 1 through 4. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Now listen to this, verse four. Jonathan took off his robe he was wearing and he gave it to David along with his tunic, even his sword, his bow, and his belt. Friends, we've got to grab a hold of the significance of what just happened there. Jonathan trades David's shepherd tunic for his royal purple robe, the robe that belongs to the prince. Jonathan took that off and he put it on David. And then he knelt down before David and he said, here is my sword, here is my bow, here is my belt. What he's saying to David is, I am committing, I am pledging to protect you for the rest of my life. I am pledging to protect you with everything that I have. In a very real sense, what Jonathan does here is he crowns David as the next king of Israel. 
Do you see that picture there? The heir to the throne surrenders the throne. The prince chooses to become the servant. Can you imagine that this happened? And then Jonathan backs it up. He spends the rest of his life protecting David. When Jonathan hears about plots that Saul has to kill him, he warns David. When Saul's on the warpath coming to get him, Jonathan hides David. Ah, but why? Why would Jonathan do this? Why would he be such an unexpected friend? I mean, what's his motive? What's the catch? What's the angle? Everybody's got an angle. There's got to be an angle here. What's in it for him? You know what the Bible tells us? Nothing. Tells us absolutely nothing. The only thing that the Bible tells us is that Jonathan loved him. God never tells us why. He just loved him. And the text says that they were knit together. They became one in spirit. It was like their souls were knit together. Like the master weaver, God himself took a needle and thread and began to take these two pieces of cloth and sew them together. And they became one. When one moved, the other felt it. When one was stretched, the other knew about it. When one rejoiced, the other rejoiced. When one mourned, the other mourned. David had his, Jonathan's love pledged to him. Jonathan says, everything I give to you, even if it means that I lose the throne. Wouldn't it be awesome to have a friend like Jonathan? A friend that's a soulmate that just says, I'm gonna give my life to protect you. When I think about what I'm after in life, I'm gonna seek your interests as much as I seek my own interests. Says Jonathan loved him as he loved himself. An ally in your life that's willing to just let you be you. A person that you can just feel safe with. You don't have to weigh your thoughts. You don't have to measure your responses. God gave David just such a friend. And here's what I want you to hear today. A friend like Jonathan in life, it's not a luxury. It's a necessity. God wants you to have a friend like Jonathan. But there's lies, friends, that we can believe that keep us from trying to find and trying to forge friendships like this with Jonathan. And the first lie that we buy into is simply this. I don't need people. I don't need people. I can do this on my own. If there was ever a person that could have bought into this lie that I don't need people, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be David? I mean, this is King David, anointed of God David, spirit of power coming upon him, David, killing Goliath, David, military hero, David. If there was ever someone that could make the case like, I'm a self-made man, I've got God, I don't need anybody, it would be David. But David did not get sucked in. David knew at the core of who he was, you need to have friends like Jonathan. Because David, just like us, 
knows that our deepest desire is that we need to be fully known and fully loved. And our need for that actually runs deeper than you might think. It's not just a a functional need in our life, just to get through life. Friends, it's actually a foundational need. It's actually written into the hardwire way that God has made you. And for us to understand this, we're gonna have to actually go all the way back to the very beginning, the creation story. Do you remember the creation story when God, each day, he makes some stuff? And at the end of each day, he steps back, looks at what it is that he's made, and he says, that's good. That's good. That's really good. But then it's interesting. Day six, he makes man. Steps back. And there's a time that he actually says, there's something that's not good. He says, it is not good for man to be alone. And so what did God do? He gave him a friend. He gave him Eve. But you think, what what, what was not good about that? We had a perfect God, a perfect man. He hadn't sinned yet. A perfect garden, perfect relationship between God and man. But God says, it's not good. It's not good. You need a friend. And here's why, friends. We are made in the image of God. And here's what we have to know about what God is like. You've probably maybe heard at least about the term the Trinity. And the idea is that God exists in three distinct persons. One essence, but three persons. And in Genesis 1.26, this is what God says. He says, leading into the creation story, it says, then God said, let us, three, let us, plural, make mankind in our plural image in our likeness. God said, we're going to make them like us. In what ways is he going to make us like him? God has existed forever in relationship, a relationship of perfect love and perfectly being known. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, they've perfectly loved each other and they've perfectly known each other. And that is written on our hearts. We want that, we need that, and we know it. We know it. So if you're out there and you're feeling lonely, you're feeling isolated, it's not a sign of weakness and brokenness in you. It's a sign that your soul is saying, I want to be like the God who created me. God made you to long that. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just your soul crying out, I need people. And we do. You need people. I need people. And if you're out there thinking, I don't need people, I'm just, I'm independent, I'm a rock, I'm an island, I'll do this on my own, you're fighting against the very way that God has made you. You need people. A second lie that we can believe is that I can't be real with people. If people really know the real me, if I'm really known, I will never be really loved. Because there's some stuff going on inside of me that if people really knew it, There's no way that they could handle it. I can't be real with people. But here's the problem. For us to be really loved, to be fully loved, we've got to be fully known. There can't be things that are hidden from us because then people aren't really loving us, are they? They're loving some kind of a a caricature of us, some kind of a projection of us that we want to project out there, that we think that they will love. But in your heart, you know what you want. You want to be known for exactly who you are, and you want to be loved. 
So for David and Jonathan, it said that their souls were knit together. They became one in spirit. How does God knit souls together? How does he do that? If I were to try to boil it down to one word that I think we've got to go after, if we're going to knit our soul to another person, it's this one word, transparency. Transparency. There's lots of different ways that we could say it. We could say transparency, vulnerability, authenticity, getting real, letting people in. Call it what you want, but we've got to do it. If our hearts are going to be knit to another person, we've got to let people in to our life. One thing that we need to let people into our life in, we've got to let people in to our feelings. Yeah, guys, you too. I'm talking to you as well. We've got to let people in. And this might just be for the guys, but I'm going to read this little snippet from the life of David and Jonathan. 1 Samuel 20, verse 41. It says, after the boy had gone, David got up from the south side of the stone and bowed down before Jonathan three times with his face to the ground. Now listen to this. Then they kissed each other and they wept together, but David wept the most. There's two guys being incredibly emotionally authentic. Maybe you're saying like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on a second. Let me tell you about these. These guys were warriors. These were not girly men. These guys had smelled and tasted blood in ways that we will never understand. They were warriors, but they were also authentic about what was going on inside of them and authentic with each other. We've got to find those friends that we can be authentic with about our hurts and our pains and our joys because our hearts are never going to be knit together apart from that. Secondly, we've got to let people into our schedules. We've got to let people into our schedules. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for a time of adversity at all all times. I think Solomon is talking about a couple different things there. He's talking about all kinds of times, meaning times of joy, times of sorrow, all kinds of times, but he's also talking about consistency. We just got to be with each other all the time. We've got to create rhythms in our life that allow us opportunities to be with people that are our friends, where we're opening up the curtains of our life and letting people see in. Because apart from that, our soul will never be knit to another person. We've got to make time. It's, it's so funny. Sometimes I, I hear people say like, I've got so many great friends. I, I just never see them. That's not helping. That's not helping you in your friendships. You've got to create time. And if there are people that you can't be with, find people that you can be with. These kinds of relationships aren't going to happen by accident. And thirdly, we need to let people in to our failures and our flaws. We need to let people see everything. Proverbs 27, six says this, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Our tendency is, is we just want people to see the awesome things about us, things that we think that they're gonna love and respect. But for our hearts to be knit with someone, they've got to see everything. We've got to be willing to talk about the flaws that are in us. And here's the thing that's true of real friends, David and Jonathan kind of friends, knit together friends, is they're willing to tell each other about their faults and failures that the other one doesn't see. 
That's what Solomon is talking about here. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. They can be trusted, friendly wounds. And this is how I think about that. I don't want the kind of friend that actually really likes to do that, but I like the kind of friend that is willing to do that. Because when you're on either side of that fence, it's not fun. But I want someone that loves me enough, that's willing to say, Bob, there's this thing about your life that you don't see. I've got to talk to you about it. I'm gonna be here forever. I am committed to you, but you've got to see this. We've got to find those kinds of friends, friends that we're willing to let in. Now, if I can, I just wanna get really practical here for a second. You might be thinking, where do you find a friend like this? I don't think it's easy. I don't think it's easy. I think it takes hard work and intentionality and I was preparing for this, I thought back to a season of my life about a decade ago where I knew in my heart I needed a friend like this. And I didn't have a friend, I didn't have a mentor. I've, I just, God, I need someone that's further down the road than me that can help me through this season of my life. But I began to pray, and this might not encourage you, but over a period of about two years, I prayed and, and nothing came out of that. And then one day, I heard about this guy that had moved to Bozeman and started attending our church, and his name was Kelly. I feel bad because he's sitting right out there, and I didn't even ask him if I could share this. Sorry about that, Kelly. Um, and I, I heard about some of his vocational background and some of the things that he was interested in, and I thought, that is fascinating to me. I want to meet with him. And so somehow I got bumped into him at a men's basketball game, and I said, can we go out to coffee? We went out to coffee. When I went home, I, I was telling Carmen before I went to it that I was really excited about this meeting. And so when I came home, she said, how did it go? And I said, Carmen, this relationship is going to change my life. And she's like, no pressure on him. But here's what's true. A lot of water under the bridge, but a decade later, I can't imagine my life without Kelly. There's nobody that probably knows me more than he knows me. And there's nobody that's probably made me more frustrated and angry as he tries to press into things in my life. But he loves me and he does it for my good. We've got to do whatever it takes to find those kinds of friends. Pray, seek, be intentional about it. Take risks. You've got to find those kinds of friends. Maybe you're saying, I've got a friend that's kind of like that, but I don't really know how to take the next step. Can I get really practical with you again? You've heard us, these are out on the info table there in the front. You've heard us talk about life transformation groups. And I just want to, this is self-explanatory. All you need to do is grab this and pray and just say, God, is there someone out there that I could do this with? This has been awesome for me. This is just getting together with at least one other friend, maybe two other friends, people that you love and respect and begin to unpack life together. What is God doing in your life? What is he saying? What is he asking you to do? What are the things in your life that you need to get out on the table with others? And I've got to admit, there are times when I just formed this group recently, we started getting together. There was a time that I didn't want to put stuff out on the table with people. I wanted to be the pastor. I wanted to have it all together. In fact, there was one time right before we were going to get to, together, that there was something going on in my heart that I was not proud of. I was not excited to talk with them about. And the whole night, I'm up thinking about this, and I'm thinking about how I can write a text that is honest, but yet steps out of meeting tomorrow, like, am I kind of sick? Do I kind of have a headache? Maybe I shouldn't be there. I didn't want to tell them. But then I, 
as I sat there, I just thought, if this group is gonna mean anything, I've gotta just say it. I've gotta just say it. So I went to this group and I said, guys, I gotta just do this right away because I'll probably lose my nerve. Here's what's going on in my life. Experience love, experience guys that I just think they're gonna be there with me. They're gonna be there for me. But it's that opportunity to just be honest about what's going on in our lives. Find that kind of a group, grab one of these and grab a person and just start, just give it a try. You know, we talk about these David and Jonathan friendship, relationship, and there might be some of you that are out there that are believing this lie. I just don't think that exists. I've been hurt so many times. I've gone through so many things. I don't trust that this kind of friend even exists. This is what I want you to hear this morning. God knows, he knows that you need a friend like Jonathan. He knows why it is that your heart is longing for a friend like Jonathan. A friend that will love you for you. A friend that fully knows you, but fully loves you anyway. And doesn't love you because of anything that you do for them. And they don't love you because of your love for them. They just love you because of you. That friend that like Jonathan is willing to sacrifice his life for you, to protect you in this life. A friend like Jonathan that's willing to come off of the throne and become a servant for you. A friend that is willing to, just like Jonathan, take off the royal robe and put it around you because they love you. God knows that you need that kind of a friend. Well, a thousand years after David, God sent a friend like that, and his name was Jesus. And this is what Paul tells us, a little bit about friendships, but a lot about Jesus. In Philippians chapter two, he says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, meaning Jesus was God, he did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being found in human likeness. Does that sound familiar? Sound a little bit like Jonathan? Someone who's got the throne, sitting on the throne, the right to the throne, but makes a choice, makes a choice to humble themselves and become a servant, to take off the royal robe of heaven and come to this earth and become a man. He gave it up just like Jonathan did. Ah, but why? What's his motive? What's in it for him? What's his angle? It's us. Verse eight, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus took off his royal robe of heaven, his righteous robe, his spotless robe. And what did he do with it? 
He put it around us, just like Jonathan did. And you know what he did in addition to that? He took our clothes, he took our dirty, filthy, sinful rags, and he put them on himself. And he walked to the cross and he gave his life for us. Friends, you have a friend like Jonathan. You have him if you want him. This is what Jesus said. These are his words. He says, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know what is, know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. Jesus calls us his friends. This is how we have the power to have the kind of friendships with one another. Friends, we have a Jonathan and his name is Jesus. And he fully knows everything about you. Even things about you that you don't know about you. He knows it all. But yet he fully loves you anyway. We have a friend in Jesus. Now, Elmo, Elmo, he's willing to throw open his arms and say, Elmo loves you and give you a big hug. Jesus was willing to say, I love you. And he threw open his arms and he died for you. Jesus wants to be your friend. I just wanna ask you to set your things aside for a few minutes. Just reflect on the magnitude of what we have in Jesus. And maybe just ask the Lord, is there a next step for you in terms of pursuing that kind of a friendship with Jesus or pursuing a friendship with another person like Jonathan? God, we just want to respond to you this morning. We know that we need people. We know that you've hardwired us that way to need people. Jesus, thank you that you were willing to be Jonathan for us, that you were willing to sacrifice the throne to become a servant so that we could know you, so that we could know the Father, so that we could know the Holy Spirit. Thank you for doing that for us. And Jesus, it's in your powerful and risen and friendship-giving name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this time has allowed you to dig out more of who God has made you to be. If you made some kind of spiritual decision today and are interested in what's next, we'd love to connect with you. For more information or to get in touch, please visit journeyweb.net. If you're interested in supporting our ministry, you can give online at journeyweb.net slash give. Thanks.